0: The NSR Media Network presents Out of the Park, bringing you the human side of sports. And
1: now, here's your host, Barry Davis. They are going to the postseason, Tom. Oh, yeah, baby. There's going to be playoffs for the Toronto Blue Jays in 2020. Unbelievable.
0: And all it took was the world almost ending with COVID.
1: Pretty much. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the program, folks. That is Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis. And yes, indeedy do. I just said yes, indeedy do. Yes, you did, he dude I did. Uh, we will talk about the Toronto Blue Jays making it to the postseason and uh, what a crazy season it has been. But uh, a very special guest coming up. And if you thought your heartstrings were tugged last week with Devin Travis, get ready for more, for more tears, more laughter, more cooking as we are joined <laughs> uh, by Travis Snyder, a.k.a. Lunchbox Hero. And uh, wow, does he open up with us today.
0: Yeah, unbelievable yeah, chat!
1: It, you, you're really going to enjoy this chat with Travis Snyder. Uh, we do have some Ask Barry Davis questions.
0: All right, which
1: I'm going to have to show to you because they came in through Patreon. Yep, and, and I'm
0: still not on Patreon. You're still, lo-
1: you're not a member yet. I'm a member, but oh, I'm not, not an admin. You're not an insider. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll have to work on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we will have Ask Barry Davis. We will talk some more about the postseason. But up next, hey, I love you, Toronto Blue Jays, but this had to be one of the boneheadiest moves that I have seen this organization make in a long, long time. And I shall explain why I am so pissed off with this decision. There is Tom Forth on Barry Davis, and this is Out of the Park. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. All right, Matthew. Whoa, there's the first one. (laughs) It was just a matter of time before that happened.
0: Well, you know what? If you had to call me some dude that wasn't a really good yeah. dude, I might be upset.
1: But- Do you know when I went to, left the fan in 2001 and the Team 1050 started up, and there were a number of us from the fan that went to the team, and I was amazed how many accidentally referred to the station as the fan. <laughs> Do you know I almost, on a Saga, almost said the fan? I have no. Wow. I mean, how many years has it been? But the most bizarre one to ever make a comment, and call the team, the fan, was Jim Van Horn when he did the afternoon drive, and he never worked at the fan, and he still <laughs> called it the Fan Five Ninety. Well, I mean, every once in a while you gotta miss, right? I suppose. I suppose. Mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, okay, that has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. Mm-mm. So, first of all, congratulations to the Toronto Blue Jays. You're going to the postseason. Wonderful. We'll discuss that momentarily. <laughs> The day that the Toronto Blue Jays clinched, the Blue Jays made an organizational announcement. The organization announcement was that Ken Huckby, Paul Quantrill, and Pat Henkin were going to be relieved of their duties. And it came out later that they were going to be offered part-time positions within the organization. Now, Pat Henkin hopefully will be joining us next week and we'll get his take on it. But I am appalled, pissed off, shocked, disappointed. I have no idea why. I mean, the timing aside, the timing sucked, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You know, a great moment with the organization. If they were going to do this, wait till after the postseason. Yeah. Because if they go deep or, who knows, win a World Series, it would have been absolutely lovely to see those guys be a part of this. Yeah. I don't know a ton about Ken Huckby. I remember him as a player with the Blue Jays organization. I know he's been in their minor league system doing coaching. Mm -hmm. But Pat Henkin and Paul Quantrill are Toronto Blue Jay lifers. These guys are ambassadors to the Toronto Blue Jays organization. Pat Henkin won a freaking Cy Young Award, 20-game winner, spent so much time working with pitchers. He does not deserve to be treated like this. Paul Quantrill, a Canadian who has done everything and gone above and beyond helping out this organization. He's a blue Jay lifer as well. I don't understand for the life of me, how you cannot find full-time positions in the organization for two former players that want to be a part of it. Is it just me or like, I'm not bashing the new regime for the job they've done building the team. I've been pretty much behind their decisions From day one. A few aside, of course, like, you know, Derek Fisher. But (laughs) I've agreed with pretty much everything they've done as far as trying to build this team. But this move stinks. Yep. Stinks.
0: Yep. See, I see it as part of a pattern. You know, and and that's what I remember the, you know, the Jays when they were owned by the Bats. Yeah. The Bats didn't particularly care about making money. They cared about selling their beer. And you know what, there are a lot of feel-good stories, and all the really good feel-good stories we we have of this franchise seem to come out of that because it was a franchise that was built for excitement to win, not to make money, not to be on a balance sheet, not to be a good, important piece in your organizational portfolio. Mm-hmm. And you know, we keep getting shocked at Rodgers and,
1: and kind of the, the lack of tact that they have, right? And you, you raise a good point, and I'm going to let you come back in. Mm-hmm. I wonder is this a Shapiro Atkins thing or is this a Rodgers thing? Because we're hearing this was a cost cutting measure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, a strange time to get into cost cutting, though. Like, yeah. Right at the end of a season, you're, you're right. Like, you're going, there's stuff to celebrate, right? Yeah. It smelled like a, a news dump to me. It, you know, it they were about to clinch and you know i guess people at head office had this on their mind for a while and they thought hey it looks like we're going to clinch tonight let's get rid of these guys maybe nobody will notice and mm-hmm. the story will go away but you know it's 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 part of what makes me a little bit sad about about the blue jays is because you know and it's selfish as a fan but i want i want that team that has the two hundred million dollar payroll. I want to be up there with the Yankees because I remember in twenty fifteen, you know, in leading up to twenty fifteen, all of us remember Rogers had been saying, "Show us the people in the stands. Show yep. us the people in the stands." Well, we showed them, and yet things worked out funny in twenty sixteen.
1: It was a, it was a tough way, but but even but then, they spent money. I mean, you think of yeah, the Troy Tulowitsky contract and the Russell Martin, and they had Josh Donaldson. I mean, they had. Yeah it's some big money. Yep. They, they, you know, and after those 2 years, again, I had no problem with the cuts that they made, mm-hmm. certain cuts they made. Other cuts I wasn't so thrilled with. As you see, I'm no longer <laughs> manning the sidelines. Well, exactly. And you know, but again, as you said, par for the course. I mean, here's just another example. I was so fed up with my internet charges that mm-hmm. I left Rogers. Went to another internet company, but kept my cable and my home phone and my cell phones. Guess what? My bill just came in. It's no different. Because <laughs> they raised all of my other features. Yeah. Well, that's what
0: Rogers is designed to. I mean, and that's the problem. That's my biggest problem with them on the Blue Jays, right? Because that's what Rogers is designed to do. They're designed to make a profit. Yeah. They don't give a crap if we win games. They've said that.
1: They've said that. And, and good on I'm them. I'm sure you're quoting them. You're not saying we anymore, Right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right. I'm going to slap uh, your wrists
0: every time you say well, that. Well, you know what? It's the only way I'll learn. Okay. But, you know, I want I, I want to be a selfish fan. I want that team and the ownership that wants to go out and win. I mean, that's what baseball was supposed to be about. Yep. We know that professional sports is, is a business, and but do we have to drain all of the fun out of it? And, you know, it's part of a lot of what's going on in, in baseball. Everything is becoming so analytical. So you know it's all about cost and it's about contracts, and it's about you know pitch counts and inning counts and and workloads and man it it does feel like the 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 fun is kind of gone. And then when you see Rogers on an organizational level making these moves and and sloughing off these these team legends as like a news dump, just that's to, the thing. yeah, you want as a fan, you want better than that. For the people that made the Blue Jays such a great organization, mm-hmm. and it's hard
1: that right now the owners, that's not their priority, right? So. And it, I, I, I correct myself because I said this was the the dumbest move they've ever made. I, I, I will say that there was one that was dumber, and that was allowing Yamaguchi to wear number one mm. the same year that they are honoring the Tony Fernandez number by putting number one on the sleeves. And I don't blame Yamaguchi because he had no idea, but the organization should have a little bit more respect for Tony Fernandez. Yep. And to me, the problem with the new regime is that they are either ignorant of the history of this organization, or they just don't give a crap.
0: Well, they're disinterested, right? That's why you got the the, the statue of Rogers. Yeah. Right? Down down at the south end of the dome. You know We we want. We want players. We want to mm-hmm. celebrate our team. We don't want to... Thad Rogers didn't even really know anything about no. the Blue Jays, right? He thought it was a neat little thing that they sure. got. But he shouldn't be the statue No, there,
1: right? I've been to many ballparks. And when I go to ballparks, I see plenty, and I mean plenty, of honoring of former players mm-hmm. around the outside of the stadium with plaques, with things built into the sidewalk. I mean, Yankee Stadium alone is just crazy. Other than the... You know, wall of whatever they call it. You know the wall of heroes. You know, with the Rogers Center. You know, the big ring with the oh, you know, the level of excellence. level of excellence. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sorry, you know, old age creeping <laughs> in. I got to get get some oil for that chair. If you guys hear yeah. like little creaky creaks, this is chair. Yeah, I got a better creaky. chair for you. Actually, a, real, a, a chair just like mine, but I gave it to my son when Matt retired, and now I got to get it back from him.
0: Well, worst case scenario, next time I'm just going to stand. So you could no, definitely no stand.
1: You can definitely stand. Anyways, but. Yeah. There's no recognition. And when I last was at Rogers Center, and I want to say it was in the 2016 season, they were removing a, a lot of pictures and things that were in different hallways that showed a lot of these, you know, legends mm-hmm. uh, of Blue Jays' lore. I, I know they were a, li- a little bit more particular about former Blue Jay players coming into the clubhouse and talking with players and such. But to treat someone like Pat Hankin and Paul Quantrill like that just it just grinds me it really really irritates me and to me it it puts like a a bad stain on what is a really pleasant surprisingly pleasant season i don't think any of us for the life of us even with the expanded playoffs figured the blue jays would not only make the playoffs but have I have much much better record than the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. And I and I think most Blue Jays fans love the fact that they are 9 games ahead of the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. So this is good if you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan. You're going to the postseason. You're going to see at least two postseason games. Yeah. Unlike previous years where, you know, you have the wildcard game which is one. They're going to get at least two. And and if it were to start today, it looks like it would be against the uh, tampa bay rays and i'm mm. fine with that i'm fine with that i think the blue jays have played tampa pretty well this year they have but man so, i don't want that matchup. up eh, i know i know i know but we'll see what happens well we beat oakland eventually right they, they, they were the who? We... who 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 what what, what? oh, what? Sorry, oh sorry i did it again yeah i tell you what if i'm the blue jays i would rather play the tampa bay rays than the oakland a's uh the oakland a's really scare me mm-hmm. they've got a, a they always have great pitching and Liam Hendricks friend of the show, yep. has, is having a career year as a closer. I'm so thrilled for him. I don't know if I want him playing the Minnesota Twins. Josh Donaldson is starting to light up. I don't know if I want him playing the New York Yankees. No, so, I, don't, yeah,
0: I don't want to play the Yankees.
1: When right. it's all said and done, I'll take the Tampa Bay Rays. Jays have played them. If you look at all the games they played against the Rays, a lot have been really close. Yep. Really close. You know, one little thing here, one thing there. I think the Jays are a much better team now than they were at the beginning of the season. Aside from that, you know, week from hell against the Yankees in New York mm-hmm. when they, you know, got their butts handed to them. But the, give the Jays credit, they came back and did the same thing. But what I have really liked a lot about the Blue Jays' offense this year, this is the first time I can remember in ages, Tom, that they were not a home run or bust team. Do you notice yeah. how many yes. guys are hitting the ball the other way, how many doubles and singles that this Lots team is getting? Lots of
0: line drives. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a great point. Um, I kind of like the home running bus teams. <laughs> I do <laughs> when they're but, home run, when they're hitting but, the home but runs. The bus times kind of yeah yeah
1: the bus times really suck. <laughs> right, listen, folks. We have got a very very lengthy conversation with Travis Snyder this week. Uh, in fact, we went about an hour fifteen with mm-hmm. Travis Snyder. So um, part two is going to be pretty lengthy as well, folks. Um, this is pretty deep stuff. So we want to give some time for that. So we will. Uh, <laughs> answer a couple of questions on Ask Barry Davis and then come back with Travis Snyder. There is Tom Forth on Barry Davis and you're listening to Out of the Park.
2: Out of the Park presents Ask Barry Davis. I love Sass Jordan.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, She was a guest On Sessions a few years ago. And you know, Sash Jordan's husband is now the singer for the Guess Who, which is very strange. Really? Yeah. There's one original member of the Guess Who, and that's the drummer. The drummer happens to own the name the Guess Who. So when Randy Bachman and Burton Cummings tour together, they can't use the name the Guess Who. Can you imagine? The two guys that really were the Guess Who, they can't use the name the Guess Who. that's like david clayton thomas cannot use blood sweat and tears yep so anyway it is asbury davis time and thomas if someone would like to submit a question to ask barry davis oh by the way music lovers sessions made its relaunch on friday so that podcast is available and uh we chat with a member of a really cool band from the late 90s early 2000s wide mouth mason safwan javed Mm-hmm. and i can say his name right every time now
0: and another unbelievable chat i mean he takes us from the the, the far north of canada to like the world tour yeah. with the stones and acdc just an unbelievable story really is us.
1: and uh we uh have a lot of great guests lined up over the next few weeks so if you're a music fan i know many of you are uh give a listen to sessions and you can find out exactly where you find out of the park so there you go all right if someone wants to submit a question, Thomas, how mm-hmm. would they go about doing
0: that? So they can send it to me on Twitter at fourth underscore Thomas. Uh, my DMs are open, so you can send it there. You can send it to me on Instagram at at one foot at a time. So it's at number one foot at a time. People keep asking, how do I find Tom on Twitter? Yeah. You're hard to find on Twitter. Uh, I know. it's I, I'm, I'm just, you know what? I'm learning the social media game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. to me. I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, we
1: can't call you Tom the producer because it doesn't have a nice ring. No, we I can't haven't call produced you anything. Tom yet. the temp doesn't work because no. I'm hoping you're more than a temp. Yep. So, Tom the terrible. That's what my dad used to call me. Really? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, yeah, you can do that, <laughs> or you can go to uh, Twitter uh, on uh, and ash- hashtag asbury Davis. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, once our website is unhacked, mm-hmm. and we are working on that, folks. We are definitely working on that. Yeah. Um, as soon as the website is unhacked, then you'll have an opportunity to send your questions there, which is really the easiest way for us. Yeah. Yeah. For today's sake, we are going to only do one question because we do want to get to Travis Snyder. Mm-hmm. That question, Thomas, would be from whom and what is it? It's from a Mr. Randy McDonald. I uh, love Randy. He's shown a
0: wonderful amount of patience with us as we worked through our little Patreon uh, blip getting the that's Devin right. Travis interview Yes,
1: up. and if any of you who are members uh, tried to listen to Devin Travis and couldn't, that's because my Wi-Fi was real crap <laughs> and I, it, I couldn't upload it. But I the thought important I thing
0: is it's fixed now. It is
1: there. It's there yeah. now. And if you are a Devin Travis fan and you liked part one, my goodness, you need to listen to part two because mm-hmm. you're going to hear a side of Devin Travis you have never heard. To hear him get emotional and talk about the unrest in the United States, the racism, living in Florida during COVID, I mean, he opens up and says a lot of things we've never heard mm-hmm. him say before. Yeah.
0: It's, okay, yep. question time. All right, so the question from Randy is, what is your most memorable playoff moment Outside of the Blue Jays postseason participation,
1: oh, you know that's a good one, because when you started to ask that question, my first thought was, well, that's easy. Mm-hmm. There's 2015, 2016, tons of that. And by the way, for those who have posted um, things on Twitter uh, saying that you know the postseason celebration wasn't the same without me, thank you so much. That warms my heart, and I really appreciate that. And whoever it was that posted that little Munenori Kawasaki bush party video, that made my week. <laughs> that made my week. So I really do like that. So there are a couple of moments for me that really stand out. And one was the World Series, and it was when San Francisco won it. And I want to say it was 2014, 2013, somewhere around there. Marco Scudero was playing for the San Francisco Giants. yeah, And during the ninth inning of the game, it was a torrential downpour in San Francisco, just teeming down rain. The field just looked like a mudslop. And I remember near the end of the game in my role, we are in this little tunnel leading out to the field. And as soon as the game ends, we're able to get out in the field and do our interviews. Well, first of all, we're all looking at ourselves going, we're going to get filthy. (laughs) You know, I'm in a suit, right? My cameraman's, you know, getting things covered up. And we just could see a crack. And the only thing we could see was Marco Scudero at third base. And the final out was a pop-up to Marco Scudero. And the ball goes up in the air. And all we're thinking is, is he going to be able to see it with the heavy rain coming down? And that was all we could see. We could see the ball go up. We see Marco Scudero make the catch. San Francisco Giants go nuts. We get out on the field and, you know, conduct ourselves. And it, and it was great. We had a, it was in a wonderful time. That was yeah. memory number one. But the most memorable World Series for me had to be the 2016 World Series. The Chicago Cubs, when they won, they beat the Cleveland Indians. And I remember when the World Series started, I remember knowing that the Chicago Cubs had a lot of celebrity fans and that there was going to be a good chance I was going to see some of these celebrities floating around. Mm -hmm. And during a couple of the games, uh, I ran into, uh, what's his name from old school, guys in every one of those movies, He's always the same. Come on. Will Farrell? No, not Will Farrell. The other guy. Luke Perry or Luke Wilson? Not Luke Wilson. Luke Perry. <laughs> no. uh, people are people are listening home going, Come on, you idiots. I know. I don't know who you think. He was in school. the breakup with uh, Oh, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Of course. Yeah. So Vince Vaughn was there. And I had a chance to meet him, got my picture taken with him. Uh, I got to meet Bobby Cunavalli, who was he always had these little bit parts in movies like um the other guys, but he was in that TV show vinyl. Mm-hmm. And actually we saw him in a movie recently. Um, the one with the washed up rock star. Yeah. The Pacino flick. The Pacino movie. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was the guy that played the, the father of the son of him. Yep. Right. So I had a chance to meet him. So this was really cool. It was like celebrity after celebrity, but I remember saying to my cameraman, Joel at the time, and Joel's like the biggest Pearl jam fan in the world. And he was at the three games in Chicago with me. And, we would spend so much time pregame when we weren't busy trying to see if Eddie Vedder would be on the field before the game. He's got to be <laughs> on the field. He's gotta, couldn't find him. Couldn't find him. And I knew for him it would mean so much more because he's such a huge Pearl Jam. He's seen Pearl Jam 50 times, I think. Wow. So here we were, Game 7, and he wasn't, at, he wasn't in the Cleveland games. Game 7, once again, pouring down rain. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I go in the Chicago Cubs clubhouse and I don't see any better, but I see Bill Murray. I'm like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> I try to get a picture of Bill Murray. And I took a brief selfie with him, and he doesn't look all too pleased in the picture. <laughs> then I go out to the dugout. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm done. I'm just going to go record whatever I have to do, and I'm done. And I walk towards the dugout, and I look, it's still pouring rain. And my cameraman says, I need about need some time for this rain to ease up a bit before we even record. So I said, like, okay, fine. So I sit down in the dugout. It would have been the Cubs dugout in Cleveland. And I just kind of look over to my left, and there's Eddie Vetter talking to somebody. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is Eddie freaking Vetter. Okay, okay. <sighs> I got to talk to him. By this time, I just started uh, We Ain't Petty. We'd just begun and started rehearsing. And I knew that Eddie was a huge Petty fan because he actually joined him on stage and sang The Waiting with them years ago. Oh, wow. So I thought, I've got a great in. Got a great in. Right? Tom Petty was still alive at the time, too. God bless him. So I'm like, I walked over, and I said, Mr. Vetter, I, I hope I'm not disturbing. He goes, no, not at all. And I told him, you know, I work for the TV station in Toronto and big Pearl Jam fan and told him I was a big Petty fan. I said, yeah. And I said, you must be thrilled uh, as a Cubs fan. He looked at me and goes, well, you know, the waiting was the hardest part. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's just so cool. So i get getting out my camera. I'm like, yeah, any, any chance for a pick? And he's like, oh, of course. And instead of posing for a pick, he reaches into his pocket and hands me a guitar pick, a personalized Eddie Vedder guitar pick, nice. which I still have to this day. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is great, but I would still like a picture. And he said, yeah, of course. So we took a picture, and I still have that picture. And, and to me, it's funny how my most memorable World Series or playoff moment has nothing to do with the game at all.
0: No, that's the great was,
1: thing about baseball. It was cool <laughs> the Cubs won because I grew up a Cubs fan. They were my team as a kid. Yep. So I was really happy to see the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. But meeting any better well, that was that was it yeah that was it for me <laughs> why don't we hear a little pearl jam as we get set to listen to former Toronto Blue Jay Travis Snyder there's Tom Fourth I'm Barry Davis this is out of the Park. familiar yeah.
0: I can't seem to place it. cannot find the candle of thought to light your name Light.
2: And now in the dugout with Barry
0: Davis. a uh,
1: great song from Pearl Jam. One of the longest titles of a song you'll ever hear. Elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. Yes. And do they say that anywhere in the song?
0: No, but yeah. the whole song is about like. Basically, she's an old lady, and she recognizes someone from her youth, and so she's like Eddie Vedder,
1: very great songwriter. And you know what? He's one of the few '90s original Seattleish grunge guys still alive.
0: Oh, that makes me really sad. Right? You think of
1: all of them. Yep. Uh, The guy from Allison Chains.
0: Yeah, Lance Daly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Chris Cornell.
0: Scott yeah. Whalen, yeah. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't Seattle,
1: but, but same yeah same genre same, right same, same sound time. yeah yeah so Cobain yeah Shannon Hoon yeah wow amazing <laughs> amazing uh, okay uh, we're not here to talk about music right now we'll have a nice music conversation on the next sessions but mm-hmm. we are here to talk about Travis Snyder and I, I got a chance to know Travis from the time he was a rookie with the Toronto Blue Jays and I always had a soft spot for him because I knew his story uh, he lost his mother at a very young age. And just went through tragedy after tragedy. After that, uh, lost his grandparents, uh, lost a really close friend, and uh, even more recently, uh, lost a brother-in-law. And Devin's had a lot of demons he's had to battle over the years. And Devin, sorry, Travis, isn't Devin Travis, Travis, it's too many Travis. It's the
0: name game we went. It's Devin yeah. Travis, Travis, yes, Travis Snyder. which
1: we're, you know you'll hear in a moment as we bring that up to uh, Mr. Snyder. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, the fact that he's not only endured through this, but when you hear Travis Snyder, and I know a lot of you have heard him on this show before, but he's always very impressive. One of the most well spoken people I've ever heard. Yeah. You know, yeah. like could you not hear this guy being a public speaker and doing like motivational speaking? Well, he should be. I mean, and, that, and that's really the theme. It, it's funny. This, this
0: talk goes to some amazing places, but the just the overwhel- overwhelming sort of message of hope. And and of contentment that he has and carries with him, you know, he talks about his playing career, and a lot of people could could look at that and you know feel bad about you know the success that could have been a little bit better perhaps, yeah, but he doesn't at all. He has such an amazing perspective about it. He's so happy for the experiences that he had. And, I mean, we're going to hear it during this chat. It He he takes us to an amazing place, and uh, it's a really hopeful, inspiring
1: talk. Absolutely. Here it is, part one with former Toronto Blue Jay, Travis Snyder. Well, we're following a trend here on Out of the Park. Last week we had Devin Travis on, so we figured we had to keep the name game going. And we're going to talk this week with Travis Snyder. And And, Travis, here's the interesting thing. When we spoke with Devin Travis last week, we did the entire conversation while he was cooking. Now, I know it's where you are, it's very early, so you're probably not cooking anything, but uh, at least we've got the food theme, and and I'm going to tell you the same thing I told Devin Travis, and that is Tom, my co-host here, managed restaurants for years, so I could literally just leave it for you two guys to talk food for this entire (laughs) conversation.
2: While it's standing, I just walked out of my office into my kitchen. I do need to make some bacon for breakfast, so I can do that while we talk.
1: Oh, there we go. Now, do you ever do bacon in the oven? Because I've known people that do oven bacon.
2: That's exactly what I do. I I learned that probably seven or eight years ago, and I don't think, other than a few mornings where maybe we don't have an oven accessible, uh, I do it always in the oven for about 15 minutes on broil because my oven's a little bit older. And it usually turns out uh, nice and crispy. And and I'm somebody who likes to season their bacon, too, which is kind of unusual. But as soon as Mm -hmm. I started doing that, it was tough to go back.
0: How do you season your bacon?
2: Well, I use uh, fresh cracked pepper, crushed red pepper, uh, granulated garlic, and then just kind of sprinkle it all across there. And that that turns out to be uh, pretty tasty.
0: You know what? That actually reminds me of uh, one of my favorite things to do with bacon is I'll broil it up, get it really close to, to done, and then drizzle some honey and black cracked pepper on it. Oh, wow. That's,
2: that's fancy, right there. Yeah. yeah then
0: you pop it back in the oven and it caramelizes the honey over the bacon. Oh. It, it It is like candy. It's the most wonderful thing, super easy to do. And I think the crushed chilies in that would be really good, too. <laughs> yeah. A
2: little, little spice, a little sweet. That's yeah. Be talking dirty now, like. Uh, I
1: like I feel like such a bore I mean, because I had some bacon today I just throw it on the frying pan Okay, call me stupid But how the heck do you do bacon in the oven Without the grease splattering all over the inside of your oven?
2: Uh, I mean, I don't get it's a foolproof plan But for the most part I put, uh, aluminum foil on a baking sheet and cook the whole pack of bacon. And then if I have leftovers, I'll just save it in the fridge mm-hmm. Wow! and it turns, it turns out pretty clean. Uh, you don't have to wash the pan unless it's not completely covered or it cracks and there gets some grease in there. So it makes it a little bit easier in the mornings. Uh, both of my sons have, have fallen in love with bacon. So I know they're definitely my kids. <laughs> and, uh, so normally I'm cooking bacon at 7am, but we skipped the bacon this morning cause we wanted to get them to school a little bit earlier.
0: Yeah, no, I'm 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 right with you on the bacon. I've got two young sons myself, and that's kind of our okay, go-to I'm gonna breakfast. Give, I'm going to give it a try.
1: If I set my kitchen on fire, I'm holding both of you guys accountable for that. Okay.
0: The good thing about doing it in the oven is the oven doesn't get as hot as a stovetop would, so that's why it doesn't spl- sparkle and you know and, and get all over everything. Every all thing. right,
1: well, I'm broil. How long? How long? Like if, like you'll get a whole pack of already sliced bacon, or do you slice it yourself, Travis?
2: No, I buy pre, pre-sliced, pre uh, try and stick to the no nitrates, no sugar, um, pretty clean stuff. Uh, and for me, depending on how hot your oven gets and how close your rack is to the broiler, you've got to kind of play around with it. But you can put it like one or two steps down, uh, flip that thing on broil, check it after eight to 10 minutes just to make sure if you got a hotter cooking oven, sometimes you can get it done in 10 minutes. But for the most part experience, it's usually 12, 15 minutes um before it's it's nice and crisp I, my wife prefers more crispy than than raw and i'm kind of in between so
1: oh wow you don't have to flip it though do you
2: uh, d- certain strips if they get very thick and they don't cook very well um you may have to flip those but i would say probably eight or nine out of ten packs of bacon i do not flip them
1: all right uh before we get off the food topic for a bit very important question smoker do you own one and what do you have
2: I have a Traeger. I've had it for Two in a row. probably yeah, six years. My wife not like the smoky barbecue flavor as much, so I, didn't, I don't use it as often as my gas grill, but I did cook. Um, I think my favorite thing to cook on there is the chicken wings. I, I have to be very careful with seasoning right now. Um, So I'm using mostly just salt and pepper when I'm cooking and I salt and peppered some wings and threw them on there and they just come off with incredible crisp on the skin. Um, It's kind of hard to screw up. You throw it on there for about 45 minutes, at I think 325 or 350 and, and they're delicious. I've also done prime rib, which I think turns out really well. On the Traeger, I've done it for Christmas and for New Year's a handful of times now. So those are my two favorite things to cook. Um, And then, you know, there's obviously brisket, ribs, other things that I think are are better cooked on a smoker.
0: So... As we were preparing for this chat, um, I, I went ahead and I, I added you on Instagram. You've got a wonderful Instagram account. I, I've, I've absolutely loved some of the posts that I've seen. But about four or five down, um, you know, it's not a Traeger, but I did want to ask you about one of the utensils you're using. You, you, you've or one of the one of the cooking instruments you're using, the Instant Pot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the the maker the maker of the gray steaks yes <laughs>
0: so I gotta That's ask I gotta ask about the ribeyes how yeah. were the ribeyes in the instant pot like how 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 did that go uh,
2: they look ugly uh, I've had my entire crew of boys back home uh, wearing me out for gray steaks, saying I'm eating <laughs> elephant meat, uh, you, you name it. They're, they're chirping cause they, they all come over here and eat the steaks and they know what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me being in a hotel, I work with a, a health and performance coach and we put together my nutrition and talk about different ways to overcome the obstacles of living in a hotel or traveling on the road and try and find ways to kind of hack how you can cook and what you can cook. Um, and for me, it's all about cooking in bulk so that I can not have to cook every single meal, especially in a hotel where you're doing your dishes in the bathtub, which is kind of grinder. And then, <laughs> so, the, so the Instant Pot, my wife and I had one at home, uh, and we use it for a number of different things. She makes an incredible flank steak in there, uh, but I had never done ribeyes, uh, never mm-hmm. done steaks, never really thought. Uh, I'd rather use a cast iron if I'm not going to use the smoker or the gas grill, yep. and I was kind of, I had a lot of time to myself, right? When I was with the, the Marley, I thought i will take a shot on the ribeyes. The only issue I had in the hotel is I couldn't really sear them. Um, you, there's mm-hmm. a sear, sear method and because i was in the hotel i didn't want to smoke out the room and set off the alarm and all that stuff even though later on i did try searing some other things but i I think if i could do it at home where i could sear it it would turn out much better it would be much more uh appetizing to look at i know the (laughs) gray steaks from what i've gotten in feedback is is not really a good look for people so overall they tasted okay I just cooked them too long. It was really hard for me to find that you know nice red, medium rare that I enjoy. I was more on the pink to well-done side of things, which it's edible, but I, I don't suggest cooking your meat like that. And, <laughs> and Luckily, I still would do the cooking kosher salt cure. I don't know if you guys have seen that in the past, or we've talked about that in the past, but that's that's a big game changer, especially if you, if you don't have the best quality meat, or you don't have the best quality way to cook it. Uh, I think the kosher salt's really good in a pinch.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what was that experience like for you, Travis? I mean, it, in a perfect world, you're actually, you know, you're playing with the Marlins during this really bizarre season, in what has been a very bizarre 2020, but what was that like for you? I mean, you spent all that time in a hotel. I, I, I have the feeling that a 22-year-old Travis Snyder would not be able to handle it like you could today.
2: Yeah, and I think even the 32-year-old Travis Snyder <laughs> had, has, some, has some demons. When, when you lock somebody in a room for long enough, uh, as we've all experienced on sun level in this crazy 2020, Uh, The hardest thing for me was being away from my family. Uh, My kids are finally at that age, or at least my older son is almost four years old. So he's pretty aware of what's going on and when daddy leaves and when daddy comes back. And, you know, it was unfortunate, but fortunate we had left to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico uh, to visit my in-laws and spend a couple of weeks down there on vacation. And I had pretty much checked off 2020 as as kind of a, a wasted year with you know getting released by the diamondbacks i did have a great opportunity there in spring training that i didn't take advantage of uh and then going into the summer everybody's kind of playing the waiting game are we going to figure it out are we going to figure it out i ended up getting released worked out for about a month uh decided you know what writing to be on the wall for this year and started to kind of back off of my workouts and hitting, go down to Cabo, get a phone call three days into my, into my trip. Uh, and you know, we had told my son cause a lot of time my family, family goes down there to stay with my in-laws while daddy's playing baseball and on the road or in situations where we will not have a good place for them. So he kind of associates that with daddy leaving for baseball. And we had told him, Hey man, we're not, we're going to be here as a family. Daddy's coming home after this trip. And then sure enough, we get that call three days in. And it was, it was tough. I mean, we were really excited uh, for the opportunity, grateful that the Marlins organization took a shot on me. Um, and the overall experience, we can go into more detail if you want, but it was it was really different, uh, and I feel like I've experienced a lot of what the game of baseball has to offer on, on the AAA side, the Major League side, just in general, with things that have happened over the last 14, 15 years, but this was different than anything I've experienced.
1: You must have an incredible wife and family to be in a situation like that and them to kind of give their blessing and say, listen, you know, it's your dream still. This is your, this is your thing. This is, you know, such an important part of what you do in your life. By all means, go. I mean, uh, there aren't very many uh, families out there that would be as, you know, cool with that. Did you have second thoughts? Did you have moments of almost guilt? Should I do this? Should I not do this? I feel badly <laughs> even my family at a time like this. Like, what was that like for
2: you? I think everything you said and more there's my wife has been supportive of me continuing my career uh, above and beyond anybody else. And, um, she, you know, she married into the baseball life for her. It's not, you know, the glitz and the glamor, of the big leagues. Yeah. We experienced that early on in our marriage and we've had to adjust, you know, spending some years in the minor leagues and, uh, playing independent ball and some of the different scenarios and situations where we've spent a lot of time apart. And I think that uh, that presents challenges in any marriage, um, which I think both of us have been able to communicate on a, on a deeper level and work through those issues over time and kind of improve it each year we leave each other. And when we come back, there's always that adjustment period, but she has been 100% my rock and in terms of wanting to continue to play baseball Um, it was very hard and I did feel very guilty Um, probably more than ever in my career, uh, leaving my kids this time and knowing that I was going to be away. Uh, And I think the hardest part for me, when you are in season and you're with the boys, which I spent all of last year, pretty much away from my family because my wife was pregnant and then gave birth. So they never actually made it out to Reno. They got to meet me in Tacoma and during the all-star break and stuff like that. So we've we've been through that on, on a number of different levels and different experiences, but I think it gets harder every time. And I think it's something where you get to this stage in your career and you start to kind of weigh um, the pros and cons of, of what, it, what, it, what is worth leaving my family, not behind, but leaving my family with uh, my in-laws or, or whoever it is that's stepping up to really help out and fill out um, a lot of the responsibilities that I can't take on. It, it's very tough to be a dad over uh, FaceTime other than the happy smiles, laughing, stuff like that. But, you know, I got kids that are one, one in a couple of months and four, and there's just a lot of attitude. There's a lot of emotion. Uh, they're outstanding kids, but it, it's a lot to deal with two boys that have my genes and kind of my, my crazy gene. Um, <laughs> we joke, we joke about in my family. So yeah, I mean, it, it gets harder every year, man. And it was, it was really tough this year because you don't have the ability, right. To, to go and hang out with the boys. Like we got to go golf a little bit. That was kind of the only thing that was, you know, we we're social distance and we are careful about, uh, who we're playing with and how we're playing and, and different things like that. But other than golf, man, you're not allowed to go hang out in somebody's hotel room, you know, maybe have a couple of beers, play some cards, like the, the boys club atmosphere of what I've enjoyed of, of playing as long as I have, we didn't have that. So it was like, you're just isolated in your room and you know, there's only so many podcasts and so many books and so many things that can kind of keep you focused. And I did find, uh, you know, I'm not trying to drop a quote or a, or a endorsement for this company, but I, I found a high performance planner that I was using throughout that time. I think really helped me kind of organize my thoughts um, and emotions and, and make sure that I was aware of, you know, c- certain people in my life that I, I needed to express my gratitude towards Um, to kind of keep that that focus on what I needed to do at work, um, but also make sure the people that are stepping up to help take care of my kids understand how much I appreciate it.
0: So, you know, with this year being as as odd as it is and with next year being as uncertain um, as it is, you know, what are your plans? Are are, are we going to try and make a run in 2021?
2: Yeah, I think exactly you said. Nobody knows. Um, I think even before all the craziness of 2020, the minor league uh, landscape was going to change on some level. I don't know what level, um, but mm-hmm. this is throwing a whole new wrench into the process. I think there's going to be, every organization is going to have a way that they're going to evaluate players and decide who they're going to bring in um, next year. But I don't think anybody knows what that looks like. So for me, instead of getting caught up and I'm going to retire and I'm going to f- life after baseball, the last probably three or four years I've starting to build relationships uh, and growing my work in terms of some real estate investing stuff that I've always been interested in and have had experience in kind of gives me juice outside of baseball, Um, meeting different people, connecting different people, finding different investment opportunities. So I've already started doing that and I've been doing that for a couple of years. uh, And that's put us in a position where, we can continue to play baseball. If we want to play baseball next year as a family, we decide that it's worth another run. Um, we can do that. And and that's going to be predicated on a number of different things. What opportunities are there? I mean, who knows if, if the Mexican league has a, has a season, if it's overseas, I, I don't know where the interest is going to come. And I don't mm-hmm. know where people are going to be uh, looking to evaluate 2020 performances, right? Cause these alternate training sites. I know they talk about getting stats and doing certain things for people to use, but it was just such a crazy experience, man. I, I don't know how it's all going to shake out, but I know for me mentally and physically, I, I definitely have more in the tank, but at the same time, if if there's not the right opportunity for me next year, things are in place for me to start moving on um, and pursuing life after baseball.
1: You know, I remember asking Ricky Romero a, a similar question, but by that time, I mean, he had pretty much finished uh, playing baseball at that level and realized it wasn't going to happen again. And he said he has no regrets. He said, you know, do you like his major league career to be longer? Yes. But his dream as a kid wasn't necessarily to have a 10-year major league career. It was to make it to the major leagues. And he did that. And he had the opportunity to perform on that stage. Are you at that same point that, I mean, the dream is still there. But if for some reason, Travis, you are never back in the major leagues again, could you hold your head up high and be very proud of the fact that you did make it to the major leagues? You did do some pretty incredible things that so many with talent, don't ever have that opportunity.
2: Yeah, I think it's a a two-part answer. One, my experience as a major league player um, had a lot of ups and downs, but getting there at a young age, uh, having some success, playing on some playoff teams, developing some lifelong relationships from players and coaches – and even front office alike, Um, especially as I've gotten older and even spent less time in the big leagues or even around the big leagues, you know, indie ball, um, a year of minor league camp, got back in a big league camp this year. Um, I'm really fortunate and I'm really proud of my career in terms of of what I've had to grind through. And I, I think at some point when it's all said and done, you know, I might sit down and I'm not saying I'm going to write a book, but I think there's some interesting things that, you know, publicly I don't really speak about that I've experienced, whether it be injury or some of the mental stuff that we dove into or, or touched the surface on. Um, so for me at this point, I still have a lot of pride. I think the game has humbled me. It has taken that ego of the 21, 22-year-old kid who thought, you know, at least Canada um, showed me a lot of love. But, you know, it, it's such a tough balance when you get into that spotlight and you have Twitter and you have Instagram and you got all these things building up this ego inside of you. And you realize, and I know we've talked about it before, like what's most important? Mm-hmm. And I think the last four or five years in my career has really changed my perspective. Um, I mean, it helps when you're not making a million or two million dollars a year playing baseball. You start to kind of adjust back into what I would call a more normal civilian life. It's still I'm still incredibly grateful for all the things that baseball has blessed me with financially, uh, but I, I don't focus on those types of things as, as what makes me the person that I am. Uh, I think I'm a product of my experiences, especially my experiences on the field now, whereas off the field, we've talked about a number of different things that I've experienced. But you know, having relationships with guys, whether they're rookies breaking in, top prospects at the upper levels of the minor leagues, or even established major league guys that have had far more success than I have, um, that we can have conversations about uh, certain situations that you find yourself in inevitably at your career. And I think a lot of those experiences that I've had um, relate well to different players at, at different stages of their career. So for me, I take a lot of pride too. Uh, I don't consider myself a mentor to these players, but I consider myself a friend uh, and somebody who is is going to support them and probably be one of the few guys that is jumping on their, their text message train when, when things are going bad. Cause I, I just know how quickly you can slip down that path and, and the tracks are set for ourselves.
0: So at the beginning of your career, you know, you you talked an awful lot there about perspective and about, you know, just surrounding yourself in positivity and surrounding yourself with people that, that can mentor you, um, your own journey, I'm sure must give you a, a pretty interesting perspective on how quickly players are brought up to the majors. And, you know, in Toronto, um, the the Blue Jays had one very, you know, maligned approach uh, with yourself. And then about a decade later... Uh, they did the complete opposite with a whole fleet of of, of prospects, and it and the, the approach was maligned in the media as well. It was it was really bashed in the media. Um, you, I, I'd love to hear your perspective. You know, is there a right way to bring up a prospect? Should it be done at a certain speed, or is it something that is different for every prospect?
2: I mean, I'm a huge believer in, in life and, and most things in life. That there's not one right way to do things. I think you can look at. You can look at certain cases, right? when I broke into the big leagues, it was Justin Upton and Cameron Mabin. And then, you know, Jay Bruce and Andrew McCutcheon were kind of the class before me that broke in at 20 or 21 years old. And, uh, you know, they kept Jay and they kept Andrew down an extra year uh, to give them the seasoning or save some service time or whatever their decision process was. But, I mean, Cameron Mabin and Justin Upton went on to have two outstanding careers. Upton being kind of the upper echelon of that. Mabin just had, Surgeons the last couple of years, but I look at those guys and I'm like, you know what? I'm not that much different. I don't think as a player, I compare tools wise exactly to the way they play the game and the things that they bring. So I'm not saying I'm as, but when I look back at the situation that I came to in Toronto um, and and I think about all these if I could go back and do it differently, I, I don't spend a lot of time now at 32, really dying that I spent a good six years, like, carrying this weight on my shoulders. Like, why did this not work out? Why was I not, you know, the 10 year, hundred million dollar contract guy as internally, I believe that. And when I got there, I had all the confidence in the world that I belonged um, and that I could play at that level. And then as uh, you know, injury and and poor play and getting sent down and those things start to snowball, it just begins to put chips in your armor. And I think, you can see it on every single team that you look at. And I'm sure there's guys, young players uh, with the Blue Jays right now, they're having some great success. And that could be a product of a number of things coming up into a clubhouse that has the right culture that teaches, um, you know, young guys how to be comfortable, but how to be respectful. Uh, I, I don't feel like in Toronto, I was ever uncomfortable per se with my teammates, but there's also a, a level of trust um that you think you have with an organization and and this is to the fault of the player, uh where you think, you know, things revolve around you. And for a short period of time in your career for lucky, they will, you know, as a first round pick and a young guy that, that showed some promise at a young age, you know, I've gotten a ton of opportunities that the 25th round pick never would have got. And I, I'm grateful for those. But I also realized um I don't think there's one way to, to to skin this cat. I think you to uh, evaluate things on a case by case basis, and, and understand the culture that you're bringing into, if you're going to bring them up at a young age, uh, and the people around them with, and then tools that you want to provide them. Right. When I, I think to 2009, 2010, uh, the Blue Jays had an incredible employee assistance program ran by Ray Koreski, who was actually with the Diamondbacks um, when I was there. And it was great to reconnect with him, but uh, Ray was my rock coming through that system. But he was my guy from, for more of the off the field stuff and the drama that I kind of created between me and the coaching staff and, and just some of the things emotionally that I let get off the rails Uh, And I didn't do a good enough job in that moment and in that time of saying, you know what, I'm getting sent down because I need to get better. And there's things that I need to work on. And you could look at every time that I've been sent down and come back and, and the performance usually was better than it was before. But it's like you said, and it's like Ricky said, getting in the big leagues is your goal. Staying in the big leagues is way harder and it's way harder to be consistent day in and day out. Mentally, emotionally, physically, uh, and understand how at 21, 22 years old, how to take care of your body, how to make sure that uh, you're getting the proper rest and recovery, making sure you have the right warm up program, the, the right program and tools in your tool belt to be able to self manage more than just relying on an organization do everything for you. And think that this stage of my career, uh, I take a lot of pride in being self sufficient. Uh, that doesn't mean I still don't have demons. Um, what I experienced this year in spring training with the Diamondbacks was was a very fresh reminder of, of how you set traps to yourself and get a try. Um So it, it's not like I'm a finished product at 32 years old, but I definitely think what uh, he's different and how they handle it in certain situations is is going.
1: You know, Travis. Not to make excuses for you, but uh, there's no manual out there that tells you know a young you know 20 year old how to deal with growing up without a father, losing grandparents, losing your mother kind of twice, right? Um, the fact that you turned out as well as you did, I mean, it really speaks volumes for the character that you have inside of you. But man, uh, to deal with everything that was on your shoulders, everything that was going on in your life, and to be able to still carve out a Major League Baseball career, what, what do you? when you look back at that now... Can you, you know, say, yeah, I did have my issues. I had some problems with anger. I had some problems dealing with, uh, you know, making it to the big leagues. But, you know, at least I didn't end up strung out somewhere on a street. At least I didn't end up. Listen, Tom, Tom here has, has dealt with depression for many years. I've dealt with anxiety. We've looked at other ways to numb the pain at times, right? Uh, you, you survived a lot of trauma, Travis.
2: Yeah. I think if you talk to people that are closest to me is I, I think that's something that, that gives you juice is, is grinding through things, uh, being comfortable when you're uncomfortable. And that's a saying and a cliche that gets thrown around a lot, but I, I did want to go back to one thing you mentioned. I did have a father growing up. I had an incredible father um, who, in discipline and, and a lot of qualities as, as did too. Um, but, their demons and he was always a part of my life and he still is a part of my life. And as we talk about, uh, how to pain, uh, actually celebrated eight years of sobriety yesterday, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, given, given where we were at eight years ago in our relationship and with what he was going through, Mm uh, he's, he's been an incredible role model to us kind of in the second stage of life and, and realizing all the incredible things he did as a parent um, but then some of the shortcomings he had as an individual, which we all struggle with on some level. And having both parents who were um, in the Alcohol Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous program, Gambling Anonymous program um, over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, I've been exposed to this stuff. It's given me a pretty good idea. and uh, made me a little bit more aware of, like you said, the moments in time where you start to lean on something uh, outside of, uh, you know, health and wellness to get you through tough times. And, and I think everybody reaches a point in their life where maybe they have to take a step back. And I've had to do that a few times um, and still continue today, have to know genetically what I'm, I'm predisposed to. But <laughs> as far as, uh, you know, what I've had to, what I've had to go through uh, to get to today is a lot. It's something that I try and remind myself of every single day. Um, What you sacrifice, what you work for, uh, what you focus on is ultimately going to be what you get. And that's not always the case in baseball, but in life, there's going to be things that come at you that you're not prepared for. There's going to be things that come at you that are unexpected. And as long as, you're able to, like we talked about before, create a support system, a, a board of advisors, whether it's for your personality, your business, your life, whatever, um, having that support system and understanding the things that are effective tools for you. Like I said, I mentioned a high performance planner. For me, that's just a matter of being able to organize my thoughts, my my list of things that I want to get done. And then I can just focus on doing them instead of having 25, 30 different thoughts that are creating that anxiety every night when you go to bed or every morning when you wake up. So Again, those things, it's not like those things have completely disappeared from my life. And I think the more consistent I am with certain things in my routine, um, whether that be breathing techniques, meditation, um, getting quality sleep, eating quality food, you know, picking my spots to have a couple of pops and do those types of things and being aware of how those things positively and negatively affect you gives you a little bit clearer game plan on, on what you need to do each day to execute go out and, and and whether it's baseball business life to go out and, and try to and make the most of every single day and not just be living in this dark hole uh that again you talk about pressure and you talk about expectation that's just created internally right if you read the newspaper which i did and if you google travis snyder every other day to see what people are saying about you which I did, and you look at the Twitter comments, you guys go through this, I'm sure, and what you do on the podcast and very mm-hmm. what your history is with sports. You can find that negativity. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of ways that you can put that. For some people, they take that and, and use it as fuel or use it as constructive criticism. Other people are sensitive. I'm one of those people, right? You're hot. You got you know, hit street going, you're making, and then all of a sudden you fall off a cliff or two, and it's just like, just bash, 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 and it's, for us as professional athletes or people in some sort of a spotlight, it makes it tough to find that balance.
1: There is part one with Travis Snyder, and uh, something we're going to do this week, because what he has to say in part two is some really... Really important stuff.
0: Something everybody
1: should hear. Everybody should hear. So we are going to do what the TV networks do in September every year, is we're going to offer a free preview. <laughs> so those of you who are not OTP members, we are going to let you hear part two of Travis Snyder on Wednesday. What we ask in return is that you consider possibly joining up and becoming a member because your 3 or $5 a month goes a long way to help fund this show, which is funded by us. <laughs> and uh, any help we can get, and again, we give you some great content. And I promise you, between the part two since we've relaunched of Anthony Alfred, Woody Williams, Devin Travis, and now Travis Snyder, um, it's—you'll ask any of the members that we have right now, and they'll tell you it's definitely worth. Yeah,
0: there are some pretty amazing, amazing chats that yes. are
1: going on right now. So uh, you'll have a chance to listen to part two of Travis Snyder. That will be everybody. Uh, Coming up on Wednesday, Uh, we want to thank you for submitting questions. Well, the one that we got this week. And if you would like to submit a question to the Ask Barry Davis segment, please do so. And uh, I guess we're just going to wrap it up there, Thomas Forth. There we go. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, And, I, you know, it was so easy to come up with an insult for Matt every week. I can
0: see the wheels turning. You're like, how can I make fun of this guy? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But here's the difference. You're a lot bigger than I am. I think I could take Matt. For you, I think all I would do is kick you in the See, groin and I run. don't.
0: we've had this talk. I don't think I could take that. Why with those sticks, beating on those oh, drums. Oh, that's true. Oh, man, I'm, I'm a gentle soul. I have yeah, a bass could, and guitar. You
1: just gouge me with your calluses. <laughs> that's what you would do <laughs> right across the eyeball. Folks, I have nothing bad to say about Tom Ford yet, but it will be coming. I'll give you stuff. Thank you so much, folks, for making us a part of your week.
2: You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.